Hey devs, you're tuning into the debug log number 82. So in today's episode, we're talking all about game data, uh, but more specifically, how to think about and approach security as it relates to data within your game. Uh, so we outlined some of the major types of data uh, that you could be dealing with and how to think about the risk associated with those. So. I won't lie, this episode gets pretty heavy, uh, but we try to try to mellow it out with some games and, and a little bit of fun and, and intermixed with the episode. So anyway, I will not uh, keep this intro going much longer because this is a pretty long episode with a lot of good meat. So without further ado, this is the Debug Log, episode 82. Dude, I totally took a nap earlier and woke up like thinking it was tomorrow. <laughs> like I legit got up and I was like, "Holy shit, I'm late for work!" <laughs> Man, that must have been a really good nap, right? I just ignored the PM at the end of the time. I don't Listening to the Debug Log, a podcast about game development. My name's Obino Oparo. I'm Zach Schneider. I'm Ryan Kilgore. And I'm Eduardo Castillo Fernandez. And Andrew has abandoned us to do his old other podcasts, which, yeah. His old busted podcast. His old busted podcast. So it's just the four of us. And actually, four is a really good number. I feel like it's more even. Doesn't have that oddness that is Andrew Curry. So I think we'll be good. We'll be good. So um, we actually have no iTunes reviews today. Uh, we're fresh out. That means you guys need to get on it, start writing reviews, start reviewing the show, tell your friends about it, tell your kids about it, I guess. Maybe not. No, <laughs> we're, a, we got an explicit no. rating. So. That's true. It's a little explicit. But yeah, keep writing those reviews because they really help. Uh, they help us get exposure. They help, help um, you know, I don't know. Help us feel more motivated to make more content. Exactly. And just makes us feel good about ourselves. So keep writing those reviews. Keep them coming. So anyway, let's jump right into it then. And today's episode is all about um, security, uh, securing data. I guess I should give you a little bit of backstory on how this episode came about, which was actually a product of our uh, Patreon hangout with... Uh, with Grant, uh, a.k.a. John Paul, who suggested that we talk more about, you know, how you secure your data for your game uh, or just think how to, ways to think about securing data and security within a game. So I feel like I'm, I kind of feel like I want to do this as a three part series. Uh, this week we'll be talking about data and hopefully in the future we'll be talking more about, uh, you know, dealing with networking and, and uh, network games and security and then also more of the soft skills and dealing with security as far as your IP may go or IP goes, which is intellectual property and all that soft skill type stuff. So anyway, today's is all about data Thank you. Thank you, Eduardo. I feel like it'll be a good series just talking about security. So anyway, let's talk about security. Uh, so to, I guess, kick things off, can someone give us like a, a thousand foot view of what security is, uh, particularly as it, it like pertains and relates to games? Like what is security? Ryan knows. Ryan knows. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan knows. knows. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, geez, it's actually, you know, it, security is protection of like either like, I mean, it's kind of like you said, like, you know, is it your intellectual property? Is it protecting against, you know, people from cheating in your game or like, you know, affecting others in an ill way from gaming your game, you know, from, you know, like say maybe duping items or something like that? Or is it from even breaking into your user's data, like databases, thing like that? There's a, there's a, games touch a lot of things. So this, that, you know, just saying security you know, covers a, a, a large swath of topics right. there, I feel like. Exactly, so. exactly. That's why I feel like I, I this definitely has to be more of a, like a three-part series or three-plus-part series because there's so much that goes into security uh, with games or with anything that you do, really. So uh, anyway, so yeah, so security is, you know, like what Ryan ex explained it as. Um, actually, I had another follow-up question, actually, uh, for anybody, and that is, like when in game development, when is security important? Is it is it only important for I guess the latter half of development, or is it important if you're not trying to you know share your game? Like when is security important? I don't know. I feel like it's always important. Um, in my opinion, you always have to uh, have security in mind to uh, assure that you have like 
people don't mess up the gaming experience or when you have uh, a, a game that is a uh, you can play in a network uh, like other players don't get affected for what one person can do or even for the leaderboard uh, like make sure that someone cannot hack your game and uh, get to the top of the leaderboard that that's messed up for the other people that are busting their asses like playing right. honestly so right yeah i get that and i i guess one of the reasons that i that, I, that question came into mind is about like when and if security is important because sometimes i feel like i've had conversations with other game developers where they've mentioned like you know this game is just a you know just a practice game or something that i just want to you know experience the whole flow of getting the game out into the app store etc cetera, etc cetera. uh so i don't i'm not really worried about you know the ins and outs of security uh so in that case will you say it's still important or is it are there things that are more important than security? Well, it depends on, on what type of information are you going to gather. gather. Um, for example, in my hammond, I don't get any information from my users. So everything is handled on the uh, Google Play, uh, you know, plugin. So all the information is handled by Google. I don't store their name, age, or uh, email address or anything like that. So... Nobody can hack anything in my end because there's anything to hack. So All right, interesting. I don't have so to worry about that. We, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later about like utilizing and leveraging other plugins and other services to handle data. Um, but let, let's let's actually move into the next, I guess, section of this, which is about uh, game data decisions and decisions that you make at, pertaining to the data that you're putting in your game, and then the risk associated with that. Um, so I feel like one, I, pr- probably the, like the preliminary step developers should probably take when you know building out their game is figuring out what data is being stored and more importantly why that data is being stored. Um, I feel like a lot of developers kind of edge and, and tend to like shift to thinking about what or where they should store their data or how they should store it. And uh, like, sorry, before we go on, you mean like data that you're storing as in like data that is stored. Uh, like per game session or, or or beyond the game session, so like over the life of the game. Yeah, we're talking about all data, so okay. all data is ap- applicable to this discussion okay. because all of it can or cannot, or some way in some way can touch security. So I think mm-hmm. we're, we'll we'll just talk about all. Uh, well, actually, that's a good question. That's a good uh, point, uh, Zach. I, and I feel like that's another thing I wrote down was just like the different types of data. Um, and you mentioned two of them. But I, I kind of outlined these as like the three types of data, which is, you know, you have one, which is your static data, um, mm. which I don't know if I should define these or do you guys want to try to define these in your way? And then I'll I'll give you what I wrote. <laughs> uh, what do you consider like static data, Eduardo? Why me, man? So I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> Dodged a bullet there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll go um, like. I mean, like, honestly, like, to me, static data has always been something like, you know, things that aren't going to change a lot between play sessions necessarily. So, like, you know, your things like maybe your your level layouts and your spawns and things like that. A lot of the times, you know, maybe those stay this, you know, those will just be the same every time the user plays. Because if you want go back to level three, you'll need to reload level three. And that data will always be the data for level three. Um, whereas, you know, you kind of contrast that with more de- dynamic data. That That's things that may... Well, you know, that's stuff that's more volatile, you know, that stuff being dynamic, it changes from maybe play session to play session or just even over time. So, you know, things that may be associated with like a player or an enemy. So, you know, hey, my player is currently at level five. He has these spells and 30 gold and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's sort of more your dynamic data that may need to be reloaded each play session and each play session. It could be different. So you may be going back to that static data as a player, you know, which, okay, I'm back on level three. You know, maybe I'm replaying that. But now level three, I'm at level three. I now have my level ten magician. That's was my dynamic data that's changed since the last time I was here, and I'm you know keep, like kicking the shit out of goblins. So, right. Oh, I'll be so, honest. So, one second, uh, Alvina. So Ryan, it would be like uh, like static data. You mean the data that you have to like metadata to to form a level or something like that. And uh, and the other one is norm- the the normal one that you save to store the progress of the game. 
Uh, is yeah, that I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, a level is one example of of static data. Yeah, and so, like, you know, you you may have like say static data. You know, I'm trying to think of an example for Hangman. Say maybe each one's like a, a different word set. You know, as you progress through certain stages or things like that. You know, that may not change. Like the challenge may not change, but you know, the users' you know earnings or like their level or something may have changed, and that's what needs to be reloaded every time. So. Right. Gotcha. That's cool. cool. I never thought it up like in that way. Cool. Yeah. So you know, I guess typically, and they've, I guess people tend to like set data or define data in those two ways, like static or dynamic. Um, and you know, static by word alone, it kind of implies like it doesn't change. Uh, but I guess you know, to to Ryan's point, there's always data is always changing, no matter if it's static or dynamic. Uh, even static data data does change. Um, and I feel like uh, one, I guess in one of the articles that I was reading, it was like they defined or they kind of referenced or related static data to being akin to like constants in um, a programming language like C or C sharp or Java or PHP, where those are the things that you tend to, you know, tend to stay the same or should stay the same for the, the runtime or the lifetime of your application. Whereas the dynamic data is things that are changing more often. And usually it's something that you do not or will not have to recompile or rerun your application in order to see those changes. Um, so like, uh, like you were saying, like the player data, that's something you, you don't want your, your player to have to shut down and restart your application just to see that their level changed or see that they earned new items or, you know, things like that. So that's where you would, you're kind of defining more dynamic data. Uh, and then there's a, a third set, which is, I guess, arguably the, the, the next subset of data, which is, I guess, a subset of dynamic data in that it's, it's more of a representational data. When I mean, this is actually more, more what people would refer to as the, um, I guess more user related data and things that are changing like inventory um the like the level the number of levels they've completed or the number of words they've unlocked in this hangman game or even their usernames or their email addresses et cetera et cetera so this is what people would call like the other dynamic data, which is Because uh, I guess sorry go a little bit back on a tangent, but dynamic data is what they kind of say that it's something that you you want to affect change. So you usually have functions and, and, and methods in your application that are changing that data. Whereas other data is really just your storing data that is representational of. Yeah. And, and this is definitely something that's kind of hard to just strictly bucket too. Right. I mean, like you said, you know, you've, you've got your data for your game player, maybe your, your data for your networking, your data, you know, you stored in your database. It has to do with accounts that are, you know, sort of tangential to the actual gameplay, but you know, still, still affected. It's still part of the user data and something you have to think about because you know, it. You don't want it to get hacked, or you want it organized in just such a way that you know it's easily accessible. I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of data in games, obviously. So it's like, and some some of the static dynamic can kind of blur lines. We're like, well, I can update my password. Is that dynamic data? It's like, well. Yeah, like you said, on a long enough timeline, all data gets changed. But so, like, I, I just made a, a UI recently. I think that that kind of draws to each one of these. So, like, for instance, I have uh, the the base of the UI. The, the data that that is static there is like, okay, these are my types of buttons that I have saved. And then my dynamic data is like the the flat file that I'm reading in that basically configures everything. So I can change this flat file. Uh, you know, by upload or downloading it from a server, and it'll rearrange my UI in a way that I want to do it. And then the other data is basically like, for instance, in my UI, I have a spot where I um, save out presets of modes. So that would be my other data there. So interesting. <laughs> uh, very cool. So yeah, this is a uh, we we kind of just I wanted to you know more strictly or more. I guess concretely define those types of data because that 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 is going to what is going to help you ex- assess the risk for each type of data, like where or why they why you're tracking that data and or if you should even track that data. Which is another question. I feel like a lot of developers and I may be I guess projecting here, but I feel like a lot of data, uh, developers just track data to track data or because it's part of a class that they've created, so they just you know, automatically assume they should be tracking, you know, X, Y, and Z of the player class. Like, 
you know, stamina or, you know, height of the character. You know, they're, they're just tracking all of this data that they may not need to track. So in, in relation to security, it's always good to like really understand what data you're, you're trying to track and keeping around and why you're keeping that around. And if you even need to keep that around, um, so I feel like that's like step one in assessing the risk is, you know, do I need to be tracking this data? Um, and then what type of data is it? Because that the what kind of helps define where it should be stored and how it should be stored. So go ahead. Oh, oh Vena, um, yeah. I have a question. Like we're talking about security of the data and all that. But who are we protecting our data from? Like, is the the player or a hacker or who? That's a good question. It's it's it can go beyond the player. Actually, it it can go like it depends on. I guess, like I said, this is, could be a three part series. But if we're talking about networking things, it could go beyond just the player. It could be like the hacking, like you said. It could be uh, or the intellectual property. It could be just the core of your gameplay could be hacked or, or taken away, or it just can ruin. Like Ryan said earlier, it just could ruin the experience of the game. Uh, so it's not that you know, they're hacking your game, but it's, it's, well, they are hacking it. <laughs> they're modifying the game to, to be something that it's not meant to be. Um, so yeah, you're really just trying to, with security, you're really just trying to, um, I guess, keep the integrity of what the application is meant to do. So that's what security is. It could meant. even be protecting it from like things that might alter your data by accident as well. So like, for instance, if you're storing your, your uh, player prefs, there are something in player prefs, it's possible to go and delete that by accident. You know, because right. like, I, so go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I didn't even think about that. It's like the, as security as the preventative me- measures, uh, which it can be, you know, security can be helping to prevent and, and secure, uh, I guess, data from changing and being modified without, I guess, without notice or without warning. Uh, cool. Um, so, oh, this was um, this was another. I wanted to play a little mini game, <laughs> and Zach, kind of the, with your reference to your UI, I just thought of a couple of scenarios, and I want you guys to like assess the risk of, and, and by assessing the risk, I just I want you to do like a holistic view of what may be going on with data in these scenarios. So this one's for you, Zach. So imagine you have a Star Wars roguelike game and you're tracking spawn locations. So like the X, Y coordinates of, you know, enemy Wookiees in the game. Uh, Assess the risk that may go into tracking that. Would you track it? Would you store it anywhere? Where would you store it? Would it be in RAM? Would it be like in a flat file? Would it be on a database? Why would you choose each one? Funnily enough, I am also working on a roguelike. Hmm. Um, (laughs) And it's weird because prior to our our, uh, our hangout call, I hadn't really been thinking about um, security for the for things like this. I was just worried about you know getting it working, and I still uh, like I still took that into account when I was making things, but it wasn't really like my high priority. But now that I'm I'm looking at this, I'm really like thinking of different ways to protect you know, what is the game? Cause, uh, part of how I generate my levels and, and how I generate, uh, spawners in my level is by using random numbers, which I'm using two different, uh, we're using unity to make the game, but we're using two different random number generators, right? So we're using unity's random number generator and then system dot random number. Um, so generally we have, we set the master seed, uh, for our random number uh, for the unity generator. And that is the number or, that is the random number generator we use to make our levels, right? But to get that random number there, we have to use the system.random to actually get a, another random number. So it's not, so basically we're not picking random numbers out of a seed, if that makes sense. Um, but once you pick that number until you die, you have to be able to save that random seed somewhere, right? So if somebody were to be able to access that random seed, they could just predetermine what what level what levels are going to look like and what they're going to be facing and so if they find something that's relatively easy they can just edit that number and now they have you know the easy levels uh at the beginning so i really sorry go ahead no so mike so you brought up i don't know you you brought up a couple of interesting points one is that you're using procedural generation uh so are you saying that 
this is data you would store, like spawn locations? Um, not necessarily. So because of the way it works, like because we're using a random seed, uh, uh, it basically, as long as I don't change the way the functions work, it'll give me the same exact level every time. If I set the seed, say to one level, I mean, my levels one through 50 will be exactly the same every time. And that's how we guarantee that every time we load in, provided we haven't died, we can still have the same levels. Right. And we don't ever so, have to store the data of like the maps and things like that. Good, cool, and that I guess that's kind of the point. And I feel like for some some games, you need to understand or you need to keep aware, be aware that you may not need to store data. Like this is if it's in just for the lifetime of a session, you're basically just a play session where you are tracking spawn locations and not really tracking it because it's all in RAM. You're using that seed and you're using it for that single play session, so you don't really care about what future levels come out of that. So like if they close the app and open it up again, you're really just going to generate a new random number. Not necessarily true because we're not necessarily making a true roguelike. So we will have a little bit of progression here. So provided we don't die in a dungeon, well, we still haven't really worked out exactly how the level progression will work here. But at the moment, provided you don't die in a dungeon, you will, you can always come back to that point. You were in the dungeon and continue or go backwards in that dungeon. If that makes sense. Um, so we do actually save that random seed. Now I've thought of several different ways to protect that, that number that's there. And, you know, part of it is like using, uh, a function that'll basically take a, you know, timestamp of when we generated that, uh, number and using that timestamp to in some way run through a, a, a function to spit out that number for us. So like, or, you know, just use like some serialized data to, to some way encode that random number for us. Uh, something that won't make sense to anybody who's just looking for data that's sitting around and won't be able to recreate it in a, in a way that makes sense. Right. Cool. Um, well, you confused me. (laughs) (laughs) That's the point. But (laughs) so. What, what, what assess the risk game is really trying to get at is I, I just want to know like um, the type of data you're storing is it static dy- dynamic or other data and if it's being stored locally in RAM or on RAM or stored in a disk or like why you would store it those ways so it seems like I'm gonna skip you Zach you did all right next. But <laughs> I guess maybe the, the fact that you are working on a roguelike that's more procedural and, and has progression kind of through... Or, but, or I like, mean, there is data we're saving there. So, I mean, it was... in your game does make me think of different ways to protect my data, so... Right. Well, that, that's an interesting one, too, because, like you said, you've got that random seed, which you may need just to regenerate some sort of, like, you mm-hmm. know, maybe see the geometry of the level. But then if you're allowing people to say maybe pause or save on that instance then go back to it and it doesn't really get cleaned up until you finish it so say like you know you're playing it and you're like oh i just want to stop for tonight you're halfway through that one dungeon you're like all right well now that becomes something you need to sort of save off and you know push to the side even though it was generated by a random number like procedurally generated so it could be looked at as dynamic but for that sense, you know, it kind of needs to like hold sort of a, be put into stasis for a second while you save. And then when the player comes back, you know, you reload all that. And you can't just reload it from the, you know, the random number, you know, cause, and be purely dynamic because then all of a sudden you've reset the whole level potentially right. and you lose progress or something like that. So it's, it's almost like sort of a hybrid approach to that. Whereas like, you know, maybe some games will just say this is level five, level five is always level five. And every time you come back, we don't have to regenerate it because we've just modeled it that way. So... Yeah, a little, little, little bit cool. on the fence, so maybe right. a little blurry. Yeah, that one was pretty blurry. Uh, let's bad. do something more, less blurry <laughs> for the users. This one's for Ryan, actually. All uh, right. And after I say assess the risk, everyone chime in together and say, assess that risk, or or not. No, that's <laughs> right. That's right. right. Yeah, I mean. no, we'll follow you, so you go first. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So anyway, the scenario here is we're playing, we're doing a Sonic the Hedgehog reboot. Uh, and we're just tracking the number of rings collected by Sonic. Uh, so, you know, if Sonic hits an enemy or hits a, a spike on the on the path, I guess, he would lose a portion of his rings. We're, we're, so, again, we're just um, tracking the number of rings collected. Assess that risk. What kind of data is it? Where is it getting stored? Is it getting stored, et cetera? All right. Well, yeah, let's, let's play it loose with this. So, okay. So, Sonic... 
you know, just trying to track the number of rings. All right, so, I mean, I'm going to look number of rings is going to be a dynamic piece of data because that's something that's going to be changed whether you're picking them up or you're dropping them or, you know, something of that in that manner, you know. But that's also something you're going to want to store with the player, you know, profile. So if you're talking about, like, assessing risk for security as far as, like, do how much do I care about, like, maybe the player potentially altering that or that getting maybe corrupted um i think corruption would be more what i'd be worried about from some you know in some weird way like say maybe some threading problem screwed up the number of rings but that's really sort of an outside case i mean okay bottom line i'm not that worried about it because if it's on something like a console i mean they're gonna have to do so much to like you remember the old game genies and stuff to, if mm-hmm. like you're worried about security there like actually maybe even hardware cheats to get at it to like haha i've got more rings it's like really you want to go to that effort to cheat at how many rings you have then why are you even playing the game so like sort of the risk of that i put down and like if you want to assess risk like as a developer how much am i gonna put into like protecting or preventing the player from you know altering the system then i'm gonna put that as like eh, i'm not gonna worry about that too much you know especially depending on the platform like i said if it's a console like if it's a web game maybe it's a little easier and you need to think about that a little harder because then you know maybe that's something that's just being transmitted back and forth and if you just pump the right json up to the server it's like oh okay great now i have this many rings in which case then you're like okay yeah that is going to be a little more risky and especially if you start layering on other things that are more competitive, like, hey, you're comparing the number of rings between players in an online game, then that'll really piss people off when people can just inject up a higher, like, a max int number of rings and kind of ruin the whole leaderboard. So, you know, I guess you have this gradient of worries there. Single-player Sonic game, you know, collecting coins. If, if some person wants to mess with that, you know, I'd, I'd say don't go, don't bend over backwards to try to prevent it, you know, but... At the, you know, but at the same time, you want to make sure that data is consistent. I mean, if it becomes an online competitive thing, yeah, you're going to have to start worrying about that a lot more. Right. So, Cool. So a, good, a couple of good points here is the multiplayer aspect of or networked aspect of games and how that just adds compounded risk uh, to data storage and security. Uh, but like, like Ryan said, I feel like this example in particular, it's... It's very dynamic data. It's dynamic probably, or it's data that's probably just going to be stored on RAM during the play session. Uh, you're really not ever tracking. If we're doing a Sonic the Hedgehog reboot, I don't think there was ever a point where you quit the game and load it in again with the, with your ring saved. Maybe, maybe not. I don't can't remember. But I doubt. No, I don't think it was really. something that was ever persisted. So it's not really something you're going to keep around. You're really just going to you know collect it while the play player is in session and then throw it away when that session's over so it's not something you're worried about uh, or should be tracking or maybe even saving to any you know persistent layer right uh, i mean like you said it's it's probably like mario coins at the end of the level you assess how many they got and it's like you know either maybe they get an extra life or it's a score multiplier and you move on so cool sounds good uh, eduardo you want one or are you you good i'm good no, you got one anyway. It's <laughs> <laughs> a trick question. <laughs> trick question. So anyway, this one, of course, is say you have a hangman game and you're tracking the number of words users have guessed correctly and the time it took to, for them to guess that uh, that word. Um, and you also have a website that you're that's viewable <laughs> by the public. Assess that risk. What goes into all that? What are you tracking exactly to? Like, and why are you tracking it? Oh. Uh... Well, like you said, I'm tracking the number of words that they guessed. Yes, that's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, if I have to implement the website too, uh, I guess uh, in my case, I didn't have to do it because I use Google Play. But if I had to do it, uh, I would do what they did, which is they put a limit of the uh, number of points that you have to to get. And... Based on the, I have my words in a file, so I know how many words uh, like there are. So if they put more than uh, a thousand words, like dude, that's impossible. So I know you're cheating. Um, the other thing is that I would send the number of lives or something like that to have like a reference. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. All right. So, so you, have, you have to protect. You have to protect uh, first, like 
are they uh, logged in with their website profile or are they uh, playing uh, locally? Because in my case, uh, you can play with your Google Play profile or you can play uh, alone. So I save your data um, in player prefs. All right. So, oh, oh, can I can I pause you for just a second, Eduardo? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, quick quick uh, point of clarification. When, when when we're talking about this assessing risk, I want us to kind of focus less on the general security concerns, like you know, you know, are they going to do some SQL injection or are you using HTTPS? You know, just the general security things, but more specifically data storage, like what data is being stored, where is it being stored, and how is it being stored? Um, so, like, those three questions when you're assessing the risk. Uh, so that way people can think about, you know, the data that I have in my game, how do I need to think about it? Uh, is it ne- is it a network game? If so, where is it going to get stored? Why is well, it going to get you. stored? Exactly. Got you, got you. No, if I'm going to show my data in a, in a website, like in a leaderboard or something like that, I would store it in a database. Um, something like... Uh, bars or something like that that uh, is is saved uh, in the cloud or rest if I have my own parse. Se- the what? It said rest in peace parse yeah rest in peace <laughs> single tear rolls down your face uh, damn I, I love that parse man uh, uh, but if I have my own server I would store it in my own database and that way I can follow the data and you know, check for duplicates or weird data, things like that. Um, gotcha. Yeah, that's what I would do. Sweet dogs. I think you guys yeah, more or less assess the risk of all those. We, we get a C minus. You get a C minus. <laughs> Zach, yeah, Zach was it's a little a shitty game. I, I kind of want to just, with all those three examples, I kind of just wanted to highlight the different types of data, like uh, static data versus static would have, could have been, you know, spawn locations. Um, Dynamic data was something more like Eduardo's range where you're storing user data uh, somewhere and you could be storing it on the cloud, you could be storing it locally. Uh, and then Ryan's example with Sonic the Hedgehog was more of uh, also dynamic data, but dynamic data you really don't care about. You really don't need to be keeping it anywhere persistently. I, so I'd anyway, say the spawn locations are more like the, the subset of dynamic data. So it's just something that's kind of instance-based and then will go away once you load into a new uh, like level, so. Right. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, all right. So next section. So, um, I'm gonna toss this one over to Brian actually, and this is more we're talking about, I guess, some definitions and an understanding of what you know session data is and what cache data is, and then we'll get into this a little bit later. But how the client has. Or the client's access rights to both of these types of data. Right on. Um, so, like, I guess, let's see here. So, first, let's just start with cache data. Um, so, that's that's probably one of the easier ones to grasp. So, say, like, um, you have uh, a system, like we were saying, where you have maybe something that needs to hit a database to get some sort of data out of it. You know, again, whether that be a user's inventory or some layout for the world or anything like that. Um, you know, if it's a fairly common type of thing you know, that's being requested a lot, then that's something you that would be a candidate for cache data, right? Because you don't want to have to run these queries and incur the, like, the processing overhead for that every time somebody requests it. Um, and, you know, also, it, you know, it's just slower for maybe the client to receive that data back. So cache data is really, say, taking that set of data that might need to be generated or looked up every time and putting it in a place of quick access, you know? So that basically says, like, you know, I don't have to go ask anyone or recompute it or anything like that. You said, "What is it?" I say, "This is it." You know, right here right. now. So when you say when you say quick data, quick access to data, are you saying you said put it somewhere? You said well, you said query it and put it somewhere. When you say put it somewhere, is that like putting it in the RAM of your you know in the the applications? I guess what the the memory that the application has, or is it like storing it locally on the client um, machine or? Yeah, you know what? It again. Th- this 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 is a gradient of things. Like caching could be even something like saying, you know, hey, get component and hold that. Like the get component call in Unity. It's like, hey, that may take some time to look up and get that object or that reference or whatever. You know, so instead of making that call to have to look that up every time, I may say, I'm going to cache that. You know, and say, 
like instead of asking to go through and get component for all renderers on an object every time, I'll just make a nice data structure here that's like, say, maybe an array of renderers. And that way I can just say, hey, instead of asking every time, I know here are all the renderers on this object in this array. So I don't have to go back and ask every time and have the lookup costs and all that. Now, you know, so that, that would be ca something cached locally for the client for on a for a visual aspect, but then you move on to things to say like, again, I'm saying like maybe user inventory, right? And so say you've got a multiplayer game, like an MMO is the easiest one to go with here. And you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to open my inventory and see what's in there. It's a, you know, a cup, a spoon and a knife, you know? Well, you know, the first, you know, <laughs> what yeah, game level, is this? <laughs> yeah. You're level one in like rust or something. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> like, um, but you know, so anyway, you, you know, this, this is a multiplayer game. So everyone's got to know that. So the server, you say, I want to, I want to see what my inventory is. Server goes and looks it up for the first time and says, Hey, you know, Spoon cup knife. All right, great. So I had to go to a query to the database, say, you know, if that's what you're using, and say, hey, what does this player have? Spoon cup knife? Okay, send it down to him. Well, next time he says, I'm going to open it. What do I have? It's like, why go back to the database if they have not done an operation on this data and say, what does he have? Calculate spoon cup knife. It's like, no, just say, like, it's spoon cup knife. I don't have to ask the other guy to do the calculation. So... Now, you know, with cache data, you you will run into co uh, consistency and coherency, which is, you know, that needs to be updated at some point. So, um, you know, because that database data, it could be more of your, like, you know, uh, sort of your normal static or dynamic data. So for the inventory, you know, that's kind of a dynamic thing, but it sits in the database to be stored over time. And that's sort of the ledger, the end-all, be-all. So that may be some more of your session data. It's like, this is what in this session my sort of inventory is. But um, we'll, we'll actually ignore that. We'll get to some other type of stuff that can work with that. But anyway, you ne you'll need to know when that inventory changes, that cache needs to be updated. So it's like, you know, hey, now I looted, you know... Uh, you know, I looted an orc and he had an apple on him. Now it's spoon cup knife apple. So that cache is no longer valid. The database got updated. You've got an apple now. So now the cache needs to be told, hey, next time this inventory is asked for, um, you need to actually go ask again because it's changed. And so now it's like, oh yeah, it's spoon cup knife apple. Okay, so until they do something else, it's going to be that now. Cool. So that's kind of cache data, like a quick run through of some different types of it. It's just basically anytime you know that there's going to be some sort of cost or overhead to fetching the data, putting it in a place that is faster and then, you know, maintaining it there. So you, you add the overhead of some maintenance, but you gain some speed. Right. And, and again, that speed comes because, like you said, you're putting it somewhere closer than a database or somewhere where you don't have to query. Uh, so that closer place could be, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong, it could be the client's machine or the client's device or yeah. whatever application or i guess device you're running this game on uh so knowing that knowing that you can store cache data uh on a user's machine or their device are there special considerations that you need to make with this knowledge like with knowing you can store pot you know potentially not really uh game altering but like um or well it does game altering game like you said inventory if you're storing that locally to save time and to you know to increase the speed of I guess the clicks uh, during the game, um, you know, is there certain considerations you need to make knowing that you have this cache data on their device and that they yeah. have this on their device? Yeah, yeah, certain considerations for that are, um, you know, say all other security is in place, you know, like you're not going to trick anything and like you know dupe your inventory or anything. I mean, the biggest thing is like sort of a play experience of being, you know, keeping coherency, right? Make sure the cache data is actually with the like the data on the device is representative of what, say, the server is seeing, right? Because you don't want to get into a situation where you're like, they look in their inventory and you loot something, you know, same player knows, like, oh, I picked up the scar. And, you know, you see it in your inventory, like, okay, I equip it, but I can't switch to it, you know? And you find out, well, no, the guy next to you did, and you didn't get it. So now you have a, a problem with, like, maybe that data is cached locally on your, you know, on your client and it looks like you have that but in, in reality on the server you don't have that so knowing when to bust that cache and update that data is probably your biggest concern with it for cache man i mean even the actually it's funny even today i, I was dealing with um some stuff where images weren't being served up right to uh, for ads in a mobile device because like the CDN was just holding on to this cached data for an old image like we went and swapped out they had the same names but it was it was still serving up the cached data so 
you know, that's that's a whole thing unto itself, like sort of managing and maintaining these caches and making sure they're up to date and don't, you know, they're not confusing and that they're accurate. So, right. So, yeah, cool. So you said one of the biggest considerations is maintaining consistency and coherency with cache data. So one of my questions slash argument is, um, are you saying or is it is it feasible if we're just using cache data as a quick and easy, you know, almost random access type thing uh, for using data. Can we store any data on in the cache? Should we store, you know, the user's name, the user's level, uh, I guess, inventory, like you said, you know, I don't know, everything, their, their party, you know, what can and, you know, should or should not be stored in cache, well, especially if it's going on the users, the local machine, I guess. Okay, yeah. I mean, on the local machine, I um you know, honestly, it's like okay, so like say if it's like their username or account stuff, so yeah, it's like put that put that on their local device. Say let's call that session data. That's kind of more what that becomes is like that's like, you know, if it's their username, it's not really going to change, you know, it, you know, if it's okay, I, I should just stay away from session data. I keep going there and say, like, bringing that in, but then, like, immediately wanted to run away from it because, you know, I think you should use cached things, like cached stuff locally on the user device or, say, even on your back-end systems and something like memcached or quicker access, the stuff that's going to be accessed more often. If something's not changing that often, it's not a real good candidate for caching because at that point you're doing, you're creating a lot of overhead for management and, hell, maybe even hardware that or you know services that just aren't going to really benefit that much from it it's like oh i gained a level and i'm gonna i'm gonna put that in front of a cache it's like well yeah but you only you only gain levels like maybe every few days is is that worth putting in a cache you know i don't know it's like every time they log in it may just be like oh i gained a level update that locally tell the database that's about it it's not like i'm going to be continually like querying my level gotcha so So i guess what what, what i'm trying to well when i one of the things i was trying to get at was uh like what data being stored is being stored because cache, like you said, it can be any data we wanted it to be just for that quicker access. But uh, to keep in mind, especially when talking about security is we don't want to just cache every, you know, any type of data. We don't want to cache security type data like passwords or uh, like even like some of the, like the inventory items they may pick up or uh, I don't know. There there's, you know, Pieces of your game data that you don't want to just leave around on the I machine. I think like um, credit card information if they purchase something. Yeah, or, like, or any even like store that information. Oh well, yeah, essential yeah. game information. Yeah, you know, getting into that type of stuff. Yeah, that 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 definitely goes more into like sort of that like yeah those passwords and things. You don't want to cache those. I mean, that's that's. And sorry, I may be getting into too specific sometimes, but it's like, oh yeah, that's not something you should necessarily cache. Like, oh, let's cache their passwords locally or someplace, and that way they can just log in faster. It's like, well, no, you authentication is a good thing. They need to do that. Maybe you store a token that gets passed around, and that token speaks for them. But you know, um, yeah, it like yeah, there's definitely certain things you you don't want to cache locally, right. which is you know some of that Actually- like secure data. Right. And, and you brought up a good point about the, the tokens, because uh, I was about to ask about, you know, just client access. Like, um, if say, if you're caching uh, user inventory data in a JSON blob on the device, then, you know, they do have access to that and they can just go on their device and go into the, if you're on Android, what is it, like the data documents folder or something like that, your apps mm-hmm. folder, and just look at that JSON blob and, and alter it or change it or... Oh, it. interesting. Well, see now you're now you're getting into like, are we actually storing the end all be all record on the um like on the device or is that local? Because I was thinking honestly, my my first go to is like, oh, it's in memory because you queried say like a service for it. I and, see what you're saying. Yeah, and then in which case you 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 kill the game. It's like, well, that just blew away out of memory. Um, but yeah, if say if it's a single player game, you know maybe that is your only storage mechanism. And if they're hacking that, you know, then that might be a concern. It might not. If you're concerned you encrypt the data on the device and maybe that keeps them out of it um or maybe you're just like well if you want to cheat and make this easy and boring that's on you 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 paid for my game or got it and you want to hack it and be bored that's on you so. right and that and that's i guess kind of my point about like what data should you cache or write out to a, a client machine or client device is maybe uh, non-essential data that's there and, and then the rest can live in more static data on a you know 
CDN or on a, you know, cloud storage or something yeah. like that. Anyway, so yeah, that that's kind of what we wanted to get at there is just like knowing what to store, why to store it, and how to use cache uh, to the, I guess, to the best of its, you know, use it properly, I guess. Use it, yeah, use it intelligently and just don't like, well, throw cash at it. And it's like, well, that may work, may not, or it may be expensive. I don't know. It depends on the situation. It always comes down to it. it depends on what you It doing. really does. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, finally, I guess the, uh, one of the last sections I wanted to cover is, I guess, some more specifics and more concrete uh, methodologies slash implementation implications uh, when dealing with certain data storage formats uh, and where we're storing these things. Uh, Zach mentioned earlier uh, with his roguelike uh, hoopla that he went into about the, using flat files to save uh, possibly uh, the random key. Uh, so, so again, this this section is really for us just to discuss the different types of formats that people can use to store data and put data in. Uh, and let's just talk about briefly from a very high level, maybe some implementation details and maybe security details that go into each one. So, flat files. Zach, do you want to touch on that at all? And by and describe what. Briefly describe what flat files are. All right, so flat files are more like, uh, at least in in what I use, I use JSON files. So it's just basically a formatted text file, uh, and I use that to uh, basically read in and, and configure my scenes to do what I want. So I've done games where I have all my players loaded in with flat files, uh, or I have I've done things like like I was talking about earlier, where my entire UI is set up with flat files. So. Um, uh, you can basically just parse through that that text and retrieve formatted data uh, a little easier. Um, you know, there, there's. Do you want Do you want me to talk more about it if from like a securities per- perspective or? Uh, yeah, all what, these. What you, all of these. Let's let's try to address some of the security issues that may go into using them. So with, with flat files, it, you know, provided it's in a readable format for somebody, uh, you know, like. I've handed a flat file to you know somebody who isn't used to looking at things like this, and like, I don't know what I'm looking at. This doesn't mean anything to me. And then I've handed it to somebody else who knows you know how how JSON files are formatted, and they're like, oh well, it's easy. We just change this to this, and you can get something completely different. Um, so, for instance, if you're saving things like uh, user data, so uh, if you're writing, like for instance, if you're doing a study and you're take, keeping, uh, you're, you're formatting uh, your data and saving it in a JSON file so it's easier to read in next time, uh, you you run into the chance of exposing that that data to other people because that text file may not be encrypted. So uh, things like that. Cool. So, and you mentioned just to talk about some of the formatting that can happen within a flat file. You mentioned JSON, which is JavaScript object notation, uh, which I feel like we've talked about mm-hmm. ad nauseum almost in many of our episodes because it's become pretty common both inside of outside of game development. There's also YAML, which is yet another markup language, or YAML ain't another ain't markup language, <laughs> um, which is similar to JSON, short and concise formatting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the good thing about both of these formats are is that they are you know they, there's there are a lot of libraries that exist for them uh, both in C sharp Ruby a lot of different languages so it's easy to oh, yeah. you know read write uh, serialize deserialize these JSON blobs into you know C sharp or Java objects right. or Ruby objects so that's really advantageous when you're using those to write and read data. Um, Quickly, uh, Eduardo, you want to talk about Unity's player prefs and some of the advantages, disadvantages, whys and why nots when it comes to security to use player prefs? Uh, well, actually, player pref is like a regular flat file, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. Exactly. It is It is akin to flat files. It, it is a flat file in and of itself. So, you, do you want me to... <laughs> I don't want to kick yeah, go you. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, sure. So yeah, so of course with flat files, there is you know the reading and writing of to and from these files can be slow. Uh, so one of the disadvantages of using player prefs is um, that they're just a plain text file. So you know it's very 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 human readable. It's not again uh, encrypted. Uh, there's limited functionality with what objects can get stored. Well, I think actually regular objects can get stored in. Wait, can they? Or is it just int strings floats, and that's it? I think the 
I don't remember yet. You you check the APIs. Yeah, check because the I mean a lot of those are like set in set. Well, you know that yeah, type yeah. of thing. So I definitely say just check the APIs. We don't need to get into the nitty gritty. One of the things that I want to mention about player prefs though is that for instance when you're using it on Windows, it's there's a like a provided you don't change the location, there's a definite location it writes it to. So exactly, it, if you go up and look look up where's my player press being stored, you can actually navigate to that in the uh, in the Windows registry. So. That again, it's very accessible. Exactly. And again, these are these are it's called player press for a reason. So it's like it's things that you what you really want to store in player prefs are like player preferences, not something that will make or break your mm-hmm. game. Um, so anyway, uh, following uh, which is something we already mentioned, which is actual databases, uh, relational and non-relational databases. So we're talking about MySQL, Postgres, Mongo, uh, Couchbase. I think what else did you? Like Memcache, other things like that, React and Redis. So those are SQL Server, my man. You say say what? SQL Server. Yeah, SQL Server. Yeah. yeah. Who uses that except for enterprise people? Anyway, a lot of, <laughs> I feel like a lot of developers kind of would <sighs> use MySQL over that. But anyway, yeah, SQL Server is another one. Um, so anyway, with databases, you're you're getting a question into like where these databases are hosted. It could you can host databases locally, of course, on a machine, any machine. Uh, that you downloaded on, uh, but you have to have that machine running if you want to read and write that machine running and the SQL server running uh, or Mongo server running to read and write to those databases. Again, there you run into... So with any service that you add, like the databases, you're adding another layer of service. So that means another layer of possible um, security issues yeah so software. And when it comes to databases too you need to keep in mind of what kind of information you're storing so for instance if it's medical data things like that you need to pay attention to hipaa and copa things like that for for children uh data for medical data for children things like that so you really have to like look i'd read into that if you're storing any kind of data related to children or medical data so yeah oh, but also I'd... when you have the database go ahead right Oh no, no! This is just quick aside. Yeah, just some of that data you just don't even store, especially with children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I was going to say that uh, when you have the database, you also have to have in mind the uh, if you're going to have a centralized uh, schema or a distributed uh, database where you have more uh, replication and all that, but you're more secure in case that uh, one server is down, things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's not only how, how you, like, where you're going to save the data is how you're going to save it, too. Well, that, that, that's, a, that's, actually, that's actually a good point about um, a lot of database or maybe database services. It's like you, you mentioned uh, replication and maybe backing up. So, say, in some of these cases when you've just got flat files, like, th- that being the most basic thing you could ever do, it's like there may not be a lot of replication there or, like, ways to make sure the data's, like, data integrity upholds. Whereas, like, you start to get into some, like, sophisticated database uses. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we can kind of, like, replicate it, make sure, you know, make sure it's backed up. You know, we can actually provide, uh, you know, cloud access, and that way you can sort of distribute things and, like, actually take load off of some of your machines, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so it can, it can snowball into a very sort of complex but useful thing. Right. Right, right, right. Um, again, of course, we've we've mentioned this briefly, but there's just there's a lot of security concerns that security concerns that do go into dealing with databases and just writing to things over the network. So if they're not hosted locally, which again is another beast if you're hosting things locally, but over the network you're getting into a lot of other security concerns that are way beyond the scope of of this episode. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention is something that I'm doing with my project as well is just uh, adding another layer of security by putting things behind VPNs um, and, you know, adding a layer of security through networks and stuff like that. So um, what do you mean putting things behind VPNs? So VPN is a virtual private network. So in my case, I have, we have this virtual VPN setup where our developers connect to this VPN via some VPN client. Mac has one built in, I think. Windows may have one now in Windows 10. But there's like things like Pulse Secure that allow you to, um, you know, connect to a virtual private network. So it's basically a network behind another, like a NAT um, which is what network address translation. Anyway, so anyway, so it, it's behind all that, and you're basically hitting an external IP address 
or you're, you're connecting to basically an internal network of machines. So I have like our game server, our web server, our dev server, et cetera, behind this virtual private network. And you need to be connected to that network in order to access them uh, outside of, yeah, outside of using the external IP address. So, which is, so your players have to be connected to the VPN? No, so no, it, no. So the network is set up so players and people who do not have access to more secure services or information uh, can access that through an external IP address. Oh, Whereas okay. if I have my internal IP, like my my dev servers are all behind the network, and you can't access any of that stuff without using the internal IP address. So anyway, that, that, there's again, there's a lot that goes into it, but that's something to look into if you're thinking of trying to set up an infrastructure that is, uh, I guess, a little bit more secure than just having everything external and all your ports open, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It so, should definitely stop the average Joe from trying to hijack yeah, your stuff. So. Exactly. But and that's why... Way, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to follow up on your thought earlier. You're talking about VPN. I was looking on Windows 10. I was like, yeah, it definitely has a VPN and you can add connections all that. And it also has right above that dial-up. <laughs> Set up a new dial-up connection. <laughs> Thank you, Windows. Yeah. <laughs> dial-up. Keeping there you us go, up folks. to date. That's yeah. too funny. Anyway, so that that kind of wraps up uh, our this our discussion about let's talking or let's talk security uh, as it relates specifically to data storage. Um, just a quick takeaways again from what we talked about, and that is one: you need to definitely assess the risk of the data uh, that you're storing. Uh, First, keep in mind what your data you're storing and then why you're storing it. Have those questions answered before you just start whipping things into a JSON blob and serializing it out. Um, understand how, where, and why data is getting or being accessed by the client. So that's whole, you know, the what Ryan was talking about, about cache data, session data, um, and their access rights. You know, do you need to not store things on the client for fast access because of security concerns, or is it safe to store them uh, locally on a user device or just in the RAM? Uh, finally, again, you want to determine the data format uh, for the data you're saving uh, and those security implications. So are you using flat files, JSON, YAML, uh, a database locally stored or you know over the cloud, and then those security security concerns that you know are attached to all that stuff. So Again, remember the type of data you're storing, whether it's static, dynamic, or the quote-unquote other data, and then these the other applications that go with each. So there's a lot. There was a lot in that episode. I feel like it was really. There was really, a lot, man. We we kind of we kind of skimmed yeah. the surface of a lot of things, and uh-huh. so yeah, the, the, I'm sure there's going to be people out there who are like, yeah, but what about this and what about that? And you're absolutely right. Exactly. There, there's just, you know, there's a lot of whatabouts and what ifs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like Obina said, it, you need to just step back and look what you're like, what you're doing and what matters to you, and just think about, you know, where you're putting your putting your data and like how it's going to be accessed and like uh, and how much you care about that or if it matters or not. So I mean, right. that's and that's really the crux of it. Right. And hopefully we we cover a little bit more in some of our future episodes when we talk about networking and when we talk about like, um, I guess the other one was not as pertinent. But yes, there's a lot to talk about, a lot of going on with security. Again, if you have questions, uh, you can always hit us up on the Facebook group. But anyway, that is it for this episode. And we'll talk to you once we come back from this quick break. Bye. I mean, wait, I mean, we'll be back. And we're back. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I know it was fully loaded with a lot of information. Um, and I know this episode is getting kind of long. So, uh, Ed, uh, I guess Zach, or no, Ryan, do you want to talk about our Facebook group? I claimed it, damn it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, our Facebook group is uh, the Debug Lounge. And it's uh, a group where you can come and talk to a lot of other devs, uh, you know, about game development, um, you know, tips, techniques, like opinions, you know, maybe get some feedback on some stuff. Uh, it's just, you know, growing every day, you know, we, we see multiple people join a day and we're very happy and they're, they, you know, people seem to be very active on it. So, you know, Hey, come join it and, you know, just discuss, add to it, take from it, you know, it's there to, uh, you know, hopefully improve you and hopefully improve us too. So check it out on Facebook, um, the debug lounge. Uh, Eduardo, you want to talk about the sweet Patreon group? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so 
Patreon is uh, uh, the way you can support our podcast. Uh, you just have to go to patreon.com slash the debug log and you can make a pledge and uh, we will be glad that, that you uh, help us support the podcast. We actually, uh, like, what was two weeks ago, had the first hang, uh, Google Hangout call with um, one of our patrons that pledged 20 bucks and it, it was an amazing conversation. It was good. So definitely check it out and thank you in advance. Word up. Cool. Well, I will give you my Twitter and my Instagram, which is at OBeans. That's O with an H, Beans with a Z. Oh, that's me. Uh, I'm at, <laughs> at WookieJumper42. I'm at R.E. Kilgore, K-I-L-L-G-O-R-E. And I'm at Eduardo CF1989. Sweet. All right. Good talking to you, folks.